What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, welcome to the Air Buds Podcast. I'm Jamel's white friend, Ronald. I am Ronald's black friend, Peter. <laughs> Did that work correctly? I don't nah, think it Nah, you weren't right. supposed to be the black one, bro. Oh, my bad. There's only two of us right now. Benner, Be- Benner is on is on hiatus. It's yeah. Peter we, and we, Jamel. We're missing him today. He lives on through our rhymes. Two-man weave. Let's do this. Happy basketball. Happy Jordan Doc. Whoop, whoop. Uh, it's good to be alive. Airbudspod.com for everything. Patreon is popping off. Yes. Zoom parties popping off. Yes, yes. Uh, well, don't you know the content. We're not, we're not promoting that. But anyway, continue. Sorry. I was just like excited about the Zoom party. I know. know. But we got, I got I got some Silk Road stuff coming through there. We don't need to hold on. You're right. You're right. Listen, the, the point is like the content is thriving. All right. We are just a world for content now, and uh, that is our only form of currency, and it's moving It's moving through us. Namaste. That is, that is our guest. We have a very special guest who is so excited to be joining us, and we are excited to have to review episode seven and eight of The Last Dance. You might know her as a PR for artists in the art world. Welcome to the Airbuds podcast, someone who was transitioning into working with basketball players. Wow, Give it up huge. for Stephanie. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, um, thank you so much for having me. I feel um, I feel weird because it's Mother's Day and um, I'm also just like really excited to be expanding my horizons. Um, I've worked with artists for a long time, dated a lot of artists, and I'm really ready to start representing um, some of like the, you know, big stars of the NBA. Totally makes sense. Where do you see the crossover happening? Like what parts of the artist world do you see kind of working well for you and getting into NBA PR? Um, I think what you do as an artist or a basketball player kind of doesn't matter in the world right now, as long as you can really just get people excited about activations and product and mm. content fired up and, you know, just getting your base fired up with engagement. A lot you know, of buzzwords. That I feel it. I feel everybody it. is real right now, and I don't want to fall into cliches like now more than ever, but now more than ever, I think people are really looking to um, connect. And Not a cliche if it's true. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, basketball in particular is kind of one of the most unique forms of sport where it has the most experience expansive arena of cultural free play in terms of like when are you ever going to see Meryl Streep and 50 Cent enjoying a moment together that doesn't happen in 
football. That doesn't happen in tennis. It did once, but they wouldn't let the cameras in. Um, Wait, was there a 50 Cent Meryl Streep tennis game that we weren't aware of? I really can't talk about it. Um, I'm under strict NDA rules with my agency. Wow. That's... I might have to might have to keep that for the Patreon, I guess. Can, can you tell us what agency you work for? Yeah, so um, I've actually been working with Hex Luxury Group, Fuck the World LLC, um, which is a parent company of the editorial commerce micro investing content platform hashtag Lady Chief, and also a subsidiary of the Yakuza, um, which is pushing us into a lot of new markets. So wait, just to be clear, the Yakuza is a a publicly traded company? Did you say Hex? Like the the old clothes store? Hex? The nature of my employment is actually a secret. Okay. And the net, if okay. we're going to sort of extricate the network of employers that I actually have, I think it's just going to eventually go back to Amazon, probably as a parent company. I mean, as as a as an Airbuds independent company, our only goal is to get acquired by Disney or Amazon, so we can at least kind of align on that. I'm excited to break it, get into this doc, and also hear kind of your opinions as someone breaking into the basketball world. Goddamn, you came to the right place, by the way. We are really, as far as basketball exposure goes, you're looking at a top four thousand in the greater Southland area after. 10 p.m. on most business week evenings podcast media kind of uh, unit. Mm -hmm. So you, this is a great, great jumping off point. I do. Choose. I feel grateful. I think that you guys, I mean, just from a PM part, part P, P, R P. standpoint. P. Sorry, it's Mother's Day. Just P. I feel like you guys are really... Um, dominating the basketball comedy podcast space oh thank you so much wow that means a lot to hear you're literally you... the only basketball comedy podcast i'm aware of so that's dominating space in my mind at least how did you find out about us i'm so glad you're here do, do you was there like a well i was trying to um so i've been working with some new clients um as you know the nba season is on hold and so most of my work is trying to find new income and sponsorship opportunities so um, I've been trying to get uh, Steph Curry to work with Gerber. Um, I think he could be a great face for baby food. Um, I, I think, that. you know, honest, I think Joel Embiid could be a staff writer at The New Yorker. I do. I mean, that's easy. They had dudes yeah. so I was, lying I was, about. Yeah, I was Googling around um, on the Players' Tribune, and I don't think they've ever mentioned you at all, but I think maybe a, like a pop, I had a pop-up ad come up for. Yeah, yeah, I did. Buy, I bought some pop-ups. So that us. was a very savvy investment, and um, that's how I, and then I just had, and then I just figured, you know what, let's just reach out. Let's just reach well, out. You know, we're always going to have anyone on who has anything to do with PR because we are just starving for exposure at all times. We're really we trying to PR. expand our, yeah. our Have you our Have either of you considered wearing, like, funky glasses and bow ties? But just those two things? Not like a full suit? I just feel that? like that works, you know, for press conferences and stuff like that. 
Well, we don't really have a lot of press conferences as an audio podcast, okay. but I think if we did, that'd be great advice. I mean, how would you, I mean, frankly, if, you know, maybe this is a left turn, but if we brought you on as a client, you know, how could you kind of work for Airbuds to expand our reach? I think um, the first thing is both of you guys need to get really good looking and fit. And then okay. from there, we could probably do like a bad boys of basketball podcast spread in like GQ, you know, because Ooh. and see like a fun, like two funny, like funky, like funny guys and like cool clothes. And maybe you're posing funny, you know. And it's like, oh, look at this guy. He's like funny, but he's wearing this Gucci trench coat. And maybe I should I... listen to his podcast. Sure. Um, yeah, Jamel definitely. and I both b- both pretty uh, objectively o- o- overweight at the moment. Oh, okay. And I think Benner is probably the hottest one of us. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm currently not fitting into about 70% of my clothes. But I think maybe we got on like an eight-month routine or something like plan. Maybe that's something we could be... I think that's a good long-term goal. And who knows, maybe print media will even still be around by then, which is exciting. Yeah, that would be cool. Print print could still exist by the end of 2020. Oh, yo, could you get us in Red Book? Red Book or Red Bull? Because Red Bull, Bull, (laughs) they'll throw money at anything. Whoa, Seriously, if you just say it's laugh. extreme, Red Bull's gonna just write you a check. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Yeah, we're fine with that too. Either Red Book or Red Bull. Yeah. We're, we're really Whatever open you to think. all. If you got the plug with Red Bull, we're we're going down that. Avenue. Yeah. If you could somehow put this podcast on wheels and make it really high powered, I'm, I think Red Bull would be interested. Cool. We're gonna, all right. Benner, Benner will draw up some some prototypes. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get Benner on it for sure. Well, let's get into episode seven of. What we just watched in the last dance, um, a bit of a melancholy episode for sure. But starting off with, um, I think my favorite thing so far in the series, where Jerry Krause gets asked about the backstabbing, answers the question in one frustrated remark and leaves. And one of the cameramen says to the only reporter, <laughs> "Way to go, Craig! Way to go, Craig! How you gonna blame Craig? Way to go, I think- Craig!" Yeah, Craig really asked the only question that needed to be asked, but I hope that way to go, Craig, is something that we can elevate, you know, maybe from like, uh, I don't know. How can we kind of make way to go, Craig, part of our brand, I guess, is my biggest question. Lunchbox? Can we make it like a catchphrase, you think? We can go a bunch of different ways. The doc started, too, with them beating the Nets in overtime in the first round of the playoffs with an amazing score of 96 to 93. Basketball in the past. I mean, they had a dude who shot somebody on that roster. Am I correct in that? Was was uh, Jason Williams on that team, the, the, the Nets team? Or was it just Kerry Kittles and, like, young Brian Scalabrini? What the f- who were those Nets? Was Kenny Martin there? They were just feisty? They just lived in New Jersey. Not Vince Carter, right? Definitely not Vince Carter. I think um... – Living in New Jersey does, you get one government uh, mandated pass for shooting someone. Oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, that just, adds up. Just, just one. So if someone is convicted of assault, that actually means that's their second time shooting at I someone. mean, it turns out there was a murderer on that team, I think. If it was just one murder, 
I, I think at least in New Jersey, that's okay. All right. Well, the Bulls, murder or not, swept murder the Nets pretty easily, three nothing, and then we jumped back in time to the end of his run in the '93 championship and the subsequent murder of Michael's father, which is a heavy topic for sure, but something that the biggest thing I took away from that was actually the picture of Michael getting congratulated by his dad hugging him while smoking a cigarette while they were in college. Hell yeah. I was like, there's just so many cigarettes were just used to be everywhere. That was, they were smoking bugs. Uh, Everyone was headed to a racetrack. It was a different time. It was a different time. You could smoke in a movie theater. I remember seeing Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet just through like Mm. a fog. Was it? Was you sure that wasn't just like the filter of the the movie that was through specifically through cigarette smoke? Oh my god, I never thought of it that way. But wasn't that episode so sad? It was, Jamel. What was your biggest takeaway in terms of like getting through the sad shit? Here's, I mean, I just wanted to feel. I don't know, just that like. It, like that 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 to put the rumors to bed i felt like they did you know what i walked away and i felt like i felt like like mike was telling the truth and the thing that he wasn't telling us was that him and his mike him and his dad are the same guy they're the same dude and i think mike's dad got himself in deep with some bookies on his own okay and it had nothing to do with Mike directly direct betting on games, but he still got himself killed. Mike sees himself in him. They're the same guy. It's too sad to talk about. I'm not going to tell the world that my dad fucked up his own half a million dollars. You know, it's brutal. It d- yeah, it did seem, and just, Stephanie, for your understanding, too, and as they got into in the doc, there are kind of all of these conspiracy theories about, you know, Jordan's gambling and his kind of life leading, his, like, off-court life leading somehow to his father's death. And I did think they did, to your point, Jamel, kind of at least make me feel guilty. I feel like, you know, Bill Simmons is a huge component of kind of some of these conspiracy theories. And it did make me feel like we were all a little like Alex Jones kind of in purporting some of these conspiracy theories that like we really have like no factual basis to. And at the end of the day, you're like, well, this was a guy whose dad was killed. And we've all just kind of used it to be flippantly a part of, you know, our, you know, comp like, gossipy conversations yeah um first of all i will say as it's the way they jump back and forth in time was a little bit confusing just for someone who for me the 90s were a complete blur but in terms of the as a media expert in the media response to um that murder was look I hate to say this, but just from like a PR standpoint, you know, that was very good for Jesse Jackson, at least. Because in saying what he said, he still got a screenshot of his op-ed on ESPN like 20 years later. All good. All all press is good press, even if it's about murder. And I will say, um, to your point, Jamal, um, 
you know, I think, um, I think especially in times when tragedy strikes um, and we have this tendency to not, I think conspiracy theories are more fueled by a much deeper human need to make sense of senseless tragedy and violence. And so we will go to the ends of the earth to justify things that happen because it's easier to accept that than the fact that the world is just completely unjust and indifferent. And actually fame and fortune and the love of our family doesn't really protect anyone from random acts of cruelty. Damn. Wow. Uh, that was real as shit. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. That seems far above the PR advice. That was... Got, I mean, don't listen honest. to me. I'm just being weird. I'm just being random. That was whatever. <laughs> no, I mean, that was, uh, that made me think a lot just Hell in yeah. my, my own life. Do you um, remember where you were in 98, Stephanie? Do you remember where you were May 1998? 19, Do you have any? Oh, my God. No. No. I may have been, like, in a jacuzzi in Bahrain. I may have been Damn, the whole at... month i'm so was your were you in the art scene all the way you've been in the art scene and pr all the way back in the 90s through now yeah i represent yes um my big thing was um increasing engagement and making sure that um international art fair travel um never dipped below a certain level and that just meant getting important people on planes People on yeah. planes, people looking at art, people on planes looking at art on their phones that they were going to get off the plane and then look at once they got off. Um, what's the who? What, what's the nicest private plane that you've ever been on? It was so nice. I actually didn't know it was a plane. I got what? into. I got in. I I went. I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a secret. There's a secret we spa underneath we spa in what? korea what it's a via it's, it's an exact mirror image of we spa but it's underground and uh -huh. i was there with um keith richards and jeff coons and a bunch of i don't know soundcloud rappers that i don't remember their names but <laughs> uh there's actually i got into a sauna with little <laughs> Keith Richards. <laughs> and there was a bunch of other people there. Um, but I got into the wrong sauna and then I opened the door and I was in Milan. What? The oh. sauna the sauna was a private jet. And it was How long did it take? Okay. So you walk in, next second, Thanos snap. Now you're in Milan. No, no, Pan no, no. Pancetta I mean, I was, I, I, seem, I, I know you guys can't see me right now, but um, now more than ever, to use a phrase that people don't really use very often anymore, um, women are really into skincare. So even before this, if I'm going into a sauna, it is bare minimum 10 to 12 hours because I, my only. Uh, yeah. Wow. Because I don't want people to know that I have pores. Or ideally, even a face, and that's why Korean skincare is so important to me. That is true. Looking at you, I kind of see more of like a glowing sort of aura. Right. So I'm, look I'm like not a... stepping out of a sauna until I'm pretty much inside out. Yeah, you yeah. kind of look like the Snapchat filter that makes you glow without being on Snapchat. Paris. 
Yeah, okay. That oh. makes sense. So Oh my god, snap oh sorry. I thought you said Snapchat. Sorry, I thought you were talking about a rotary phone. <laughs> I haven't touched Snapchat in years. That's amazing. It's amazing how dialed in and disconnected you are from the culture at the same time, kind of living in the art space. Thank you. That's actually true of most people in the art world. All right, dudes, quick break to tell you about Bet Online. With currently no NBA, NHL, or baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but still, my friends, you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Back to the show. So Jordan's dad dies, and that's boo. a yes. Boo is right. That's a good. That's a good sound for that. Super sad, and basically he up quits the team. Seemingly, you know what? I would say there's a lot of things in this doc, Jamel, that don't pass the smell test of Jordan kind of rubbing over history or washing it to his own kind of liking. But this all really felt. Like, he set the record straight in a way that I was not expecting for it to be in terms of his transition into baseball. Uh, Yeah. And you know what? I, I definitely, after watching it, I definitely wanted to shoot him some bail because I forgot that there was a strike. I forgot that baseball had a strike, which it's like, damn, now I'm sitting around. Now I've been now I've been becoming a baseball player for a year and a half and there's no more baseball. And they and- got a, there's some basketball checks right down there, and they're still paying me my basketball checks? Yeah, that's the only time Jerry Reinsdorf has been generous with money in this entire doc up until this point. And I think the other thing that I enjoyed personally was my baseball manager, Tito Francona, oh, yeah. fully fully uh, just being always in the right place in the right time when it comes to history. He is... Mm-hmm. Such a gangster. And really also put it into perspective how fucking insane it is that Michael Jordan just stepped off a basketball court and, and hit over 200 and drove in 50 runs. And he in was 30. Like, and he was 31. And everyone's like – and like all of the media, Steph, Stephanie, which you will appreciate, is just ragging on him for not being a Hall of Fame baseball player when in reality it's basically impossible to go do what he did. Oh, exactly. I thought that was like – so bitchy of Sports Illustrated to post that embarrassing photo where he's like striking out and they're like, oh, nice try, Michael. Like, this isn't cute. And it's like, okay, when I, I don't want to draw a false comparison, but I am also in the middle of a transition. I have been the Michael Jordan of Art World PR and I am trying something new. And I don't want, you know, Ad Week or WWD or Vogue 
or this podcast to make me feel bad that I'm trying to transition and find my joy and find myself. You should absolutely find yourself. You should find yourself as quick as possible. And Michael can find himself if he needs to like putt-putt around, you know, in the minors for a little while. No, he, 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 he putted around. And also, I think to that point too, Stephanie, and as you can probably attest in this transition in your life, there's got to be something if you are the most prolific person in the art world to make like he was to making a transition where you are really even though the media is following you around in like the south, like running around in Alabama, like you are a part of a team and a part of a group of guys who you don't like. Like, you can't be treated differently anymore. And that really seemed like that was really important for him to kind of get away from that spotlight in a way that really um, I didn't fully comprehend or understand up until this doc. I mean, especially when you've done everything, too. Yeah. Three-peat is unheard of. It's like, I'm... I mean, you guys, you'll get there. Like, you're you're at the top of your game podcast-wise. And when you really get to the top, like you're two thirds, maybe it's lonely at the top. It's lonely two thirds from the top. And when you get there, you're going to look around and be like, oh, my God, I wanted to do weaving this whole time or I needed to do this. And in terms of just the the circus wheel, I don't know if that's a real thing of the art world. I mean, I was I'm doing like. You know, I've done cocaine in so many marble bathrooms. I've flown all over the world. I i don't know how many free salmon steaks I could possibly eat at another banquet and another gala before it's just like, what else is there? I hear you. I don't I know really... how many more totally groundbreaking, minimalist, abstract paintings over a mid-century couch I can really absorb before it's just I. what else is there in me that I need to see? You need a new challenge. Just like, you know, the greats before you, you need to be redefining yourself. Just like Jordan, taking those slights, taking those things, making stuff up, really motivating yourself to kind of keep your, your head in the game. Yeah, and he, you know what? I'm going to say it. He looks, he looks great in a baseball uniform. He does look good in a baseball uniform. No, they're kind of thinned out. Yeah, yeah. they kind of thinned him out. Pinstripes. Like... It's the pinstripes. Mm, that's what it is. Maybe that's why they brought the pinstripes back to the Bulls when he came back with those those black and red ones. Or yeah, because those Jamal... Bulls really were, you know, as soon as Michael was gone, they weren't training as hard, and they all kind of ballooned up. All right, buds, we're going to take a break to talk about Blue Chew. Gentlemen, looking to last a little longer, go a few extra rounds. Get BlueChew.com popping. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. 
You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office to spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's the great deal, Butters. Visit BlueChews.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that is B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code BLUEWIRE. It did, you know, the last part of this, the first, like, uh, episode seven, too, it really felt like they were, um, it really felt like they were hitting the Scottie Pippen not going into the game a little hard for a Michael Jordan documentary. You knew if Mike produced it, they were going to have to go back to that. Mike saw it. I'm glad, but I, I was more happy to see that from the standpoint that, um, they gave Tony, Tony Kukoc a little more shine. Oh my God. Yeah. What a gangster that guy is. Just Yo. like, uh, yes, I guess I'm good at last second shots or something like that. I don't really know, you know, or care at anything at any time. I have what to say my favorite part of this episode was Tony. Uh, and I wrote this. This is a direct quote from the show. Anytime we would play good and we were winning games, everything was OK. <laughs> Which I thought was so profound for him to say Yo. anytime we were playing good. And anytime we were winning games, everything was okay. How true is that of a team? Yeah, he really, and he just really said nailed it. it. He just said, anytime we would play good and we were winning games, everything was okay. That's a really good Tony. Yeah, that's great. You're really good at impressions, Stephanie. I'm just quoting. I'm just, st- I'm just uh, quoting the source. It was a... Uh... Listen, they, they they were never going to be the team without Michael. Um, but it seemed like I really felt like this all put, you know, him going to do the baseball stuff, his dad passing, Scotty and the team kind of making it pretty far in the playoffs without him, really came together better than I thought it was going to, frankly. I was expecting this shit to be a little bit more of an eye roll like stuff had been earlier in the uh, in the series. I knew they were going to get serious at some point. I knew Mike was going to cry at some point. He it looks like Bill... he's crying the whole time. He's always looks he's like a, he's He crying. has a watery eye. He's and I don't so mean much. that in like the, you know, Monet-type impressionist, you know, light on the water. I mean his Facts. eyes are always wet. Facts, like a lizard. I didn't say that. And my bosses might have something to say about that, but we can talk about that offline. Okay, excuse me. My bad. Um, Last thing you... on this app, Jamel, shout out to Bill Cartwright for just openly sobbing while telling Scotty how disappointed he was in him. Dude, and it's the perfect – if Tony doesn't make that shot, there is no sobbing moment. They all just sit there and sit in it. Yeah, it was almost worse that Coach made the shot. It was awesome. You know what this? Do you know what this episode taught me more than anything? Was that winning t- is it t- takes a cost, and the cost is your mind. <laughs> you have it, to mentally break yourself down into becoming a basketball machine. I mean, Stephanie, you've probably seen that in the art space. Like, at some point, you just like get to a place where you're so good at something that you just kind of lose complete touch with reality. Um, 
yeah, and I think, you know, it's hard to explain because I feel like this is something that happens probably to, you know, fine artists and certainly basketball players and definitely not comedians where you get to a point where you are sure. so successful and you build such a strong base that you kind of lose touch with your own capacity for discipline and greatness because you've built such an audience around you that is just excited to see you exist. You really don't have a proper reflection of how you're progressing as um, an artist or uh, I mean, NBA that's player. Why, that's why Ellen has been able to stay so grounded through all this. You know? yeah, 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 I feel like this is not something that necessarily affects anyone in a creative or public-facing pursuit. It only happens to basketball players and artists. And so I don't know if as comedians, you guys really understand where no, I'm no, coming from. Even, no, not, I, not even in know. the slightest. That's why, and I are someone, both, that's why yeah. you know, someone's second comedy special is always way better than the first. Because mm. it's, oh yeah, for sure. It's gonna be a linear progression. Um, and that's I mean, what if really, you wanna look, yeah. Yeah, that's what's you, special about what, what you do. I think there's For no, sure. it's hard to relate to other um, forms of cultural production where, you know, it's expected that there's going to be ups and downs. I mean, you know, when you look back, I mean, there's so many, Dane Cook, his fourth one, hard. Gabriel Iglesias, uh, fluffier now than ever, flames. I will say that, you know, and, and Dane Cook takes a play from a lot of the really um, iconic mid-century artists in and just go shapes. on, you know, okay. Talk Donald more about Judd this. was like, okay, a cube. And then like, now the cube is here. Um, right. Robert Motherwell. I don't know. Marston Hartley triangles, squares. And then out of yeah. nowhere, Dane Cook is like, okay, I've done a rectangle stage. What's next? A circle. Wow. That's true. And that circle vicious. Never really thought of Dane Cook like that, but that really kind of shapes it all into a much different perspective for me. That's really, uh, I'm going to have to go back and revisit some of his earlier work now. Yeah, me too. Honestly, I just sort of thought of that off the top of my head right now. Um, not really sure if it plays. No, no, no. I think that's your, listen, you're you're in the cut, Stephanie. I feel like you're really, you're spitting fire here. Is oh my crusher? God. Is that what, oh my God. Is that something that basketball people say to each other? Probably not. Uh, no, I don't think so. No. But, oh. uh, you know, we're, we are very outside of the. We are just spectators in the world of basketball. Yeah. So we're a great step for you. But like, uh -huh. as you get further into the basketball space, you will definitely outgrow us, and we will be hitting you up for kind of requests. So, well, that's so great. I'm so excited to spit fire in better places than this. You will. I hope that's okay. Speaking of spitting fire, I thought there was something, Jamel, that it was. A thematic between Horace Grant and uh, B.J. Armstrong, which was just the moment where some of his former like teammates shining just the tiniest bit against him in the playoffs drove Jordan to levels of almost insanity. He turned oh. into a Cthulhu. He turned into a beast. <laughs> so good. This was also the episode, too, where like he's like, all right, yeah, no, I'm a fucking asshole. You all know I'm an asshole. Everyone thinks I'm an asshole. I'm a huge asshole. I'm an asshole to everyone. And it was fun to just hear it from everyone on the team. I mean, but, but dig it, man. He had to be. What? Horace didn't win a championship. What Sorry, I, Stephanie. Yes. Is this still episode seven or is this eight now? We're kind of bridging in. Kind of yeah, into eight now. I thought what was really interesting was um, 
you know, they made a big fuss over, was it BJ saying something like, oh, good game, Michael, and that kind of fired him up to sort of whoop his ass in the next game. Oh, the kid from the Bullets. Oh, man. What was yeah, his name? But Le, Le Stewart or something? Something Le like Gabriel, that. Le Gabriel Iglesias? Oh, Le no, never going to hear from player. you again? What, Le Stafford Beaufort. It sounds, he sounds like some English poet, but it's he's a basketball player. Le Crofton Barrow. <laughs> Le, Le Creighton Barrel, Cracker Barrel, Crofton. Le Cracker Barrel, yes. Put up like 30 on Michael. Yeah. Le Hash Brown and Casserole. And then, you know, and then had the audacity to be like, good game. And then that's when Michael was like, I'm going to do what you did to me in half the time, which is what I've done to all of my ex-boyfriends. But. Gee, whoa. The, <laughs> the interesting thing is. Years later, when they asked, like, did did he actually say that? Did he actually say good game to you after, you know, scoring 37 points? And Michael Jordan was like, no. no. He made it up to sort of get himself going, which from a PR standpoint is also brilliant. You know, this it's like Caroline Calloway, Natalie Beach. Total bullshit. And it doesn't matter. You know, whatever gets you going, whatever gets your goat, whatever gets the eyeballs going, you know. What was it? What's your best PR finesse move? You ever like pit any like cubists against each other? Um, I think um, I, I, I think the biggest I think one of the smartest things I've done um, is sort of. Whenever I open a new show at a museum or a big art fair, I actually grant early access to um people who position themselves as art world satirists and meme makers and other irony poisoned uh, disgruntled art workers. And that way they actually do more work to disseminate the imagery that I'm trying to get out, you know, than wow. we could ever do um, in a positive mm. sense. Bring so it's sort of like okay. the, you know, it's, it's the machinations of joke making where um, sometimes the point you're trying to make gets so obscured it actually doesn't matter as long as you're talking about the, the art yeah yeah like when you you can just like sometimes you could get a laugh just by changing the way you talk like and then he said booty that's right you know and it, you know it's like when someone posts a thing they're like wow aren't museums like totally stupid in this way that only i know about and it's sort of like then I can say, yes, museums are stupid in this way that only we know about. And by sharing the joke, we're actually just showing off to other people how much we know about the art world while pretending like we're mad at being excluded from it. Is there anyone in the art world that you kind of treat like Michael treated like Scotty Burrell, like the guy who's just like not going to be like ever as good as you are, but someone who you're just kind of like, using as a punching bag to try to inspire them in the art space? Yeah, I think Marina Abramovich needs to step it up. I think okay. she Care has, to elaborate? I just think she has so much potential, and I really want her to realize it. Do you tell that to her to her face, or is that just kind of like your own opinion that you... Absolutely not. We've never met. Got it. Okay. okay. That makes sense. I think that, you know... It was interesting to just kind of see them pull the curtain back finally in this episode, Jamel, to just have like, you know, this is the footage they had of every single person he's ever played with being like, oh, Michael's a very bad person. He's 
He's not nice. He's a yeah, bad the, person who says bad things and like frightened us all into doing what he wanted. Oh my god, the white center montage. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Bill Wennington, Judd Bushler. A third one. LeBuford, Kraken Barrel. Yes. LeBuford, LeBuford, Kraken Barrel. No Luke Longy, Longley, which was a bummer to me. Let's get some Luke Longley in here. It's Luke time. Uh, no more Judd Bushler time. George Judd Bushler is clearly the biggest simp in Bulls history, and I want to apologize to Bill Wennington. I would love to have him on our show. I feel like I've been the most anti-Bill Wennington voice of them all. I'm going to say I'm pro-Bill Wennington, anti-Judd Bushler. Bill Wennington, too, had like some nice up and unders. He had some nice moves there where it's like, yeah, Bill, get it, yeah. man. Judd Bushler is like if Ned Flanders never got no bitches. Shout out to Shaquille O'Neal, who clearly wanted nothing to do with this documentary. Um, yeah, and Le- count me out. I'm getting yeah. Papa John's. He had just bought 800 Papa John's. <laughs> <laughs> he was a little he, he was he was finishing the after effects for his the general commercials he was working um, on a new um bucket of cheese for burger king or something like ooh, that whoa very possible yeah shack cheese bucket shack big chicken's not gonna that make be, itself that's shack cheese <laughs> oh shack cheese bucket kind of sounds pretty chicken? tight actually Shack Cheese Bucket should be next to Shaq's Big Chicken. Should we order some Big Chicken delivery from the Galleria? Uh, I'm 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 here for it. It's like I'm it's we're 60 days into this shit. Like what are we fucking doing anymore? You know? Yeah. Um Oh, so, I got hold up. A quick a quick aside on the Magic. I think the Magic never won because they didn't have a Michael Jordan type maniac. I think everybody was nice and then they allowed Nick Anderson to have that panic attack at the free throw line. Uh, what they won't show you, Stephanie, after the Magic beat the Bulls, they went on to make it to the finals, and then they had a chance to, like, keep the series going, and one of their best players had a legit panic attack at the free throw line, and he missed four straight free throws? Yeah, it was rough. It's, oh, my uh, God. They were very much more deserving of being, you know, right there with the Rockets yeah. that year. and just didn't happen. But shout-out to Horace Grant getting his shine as someone who was, like, legit – much more than just, you know, a Michael cohort, I think. That's nice to like, see him kind of. That's hard. That's pressure. A lot of artists succumb to that pressure. I was at Rosetta Getty's uh, eighth wedding, and I just froze on the choreography for the Whoa. reception dance. You did the choreography for Rosetta Getty's eighth wedding well, reception I was part, dance? I was part of the wedding party, and there oh, was a dance. wow. And I just, I know exactly that what you're the talking finals. about. I, yeah. I, I froze. I blew it. And I feel partly responsible for their subsequent divorce. Well, I, eight, seven bad marriages is a little bit of a precursor. So you should give yourself a little bit of a break yeah. there, I feel like. You got to know, if you had a week's worth of marriages, you got to know that eighth one might not. Yeah, you know, as, as the Michael Jordan of PR and someone that I, I, you know, not to build myself up, puff myself up but as someone who i believe a lot of other people would also say is a bad person if they were interviewed for television you know i i don't want to give myself a break no we're no one's going to give you a break but we're going to still just encourage you to to be better just like the rest of us you guys are already getting the hang of this i feel like you guys are going to be really good you guys could do pr if you want it 
You think? Damn, that, that sounds fun. Yeah. I would love nice. to do some PR for somebody. Yeah. We could maybe do some PR. I feel like that's one of the, the, the few industries that's really going to hold on here as we leap into the unknown. I think it's the biggest thing that I took away from episode eight, and I think something that really shocked me in hindsight, is the fact that Michael Jordan rebuilt his body and scouted the entire NBA while he was shooting Space Jam. I mean, I think that might just speak to uh, how little work he did in Space Jam. Let's not, maybe the point is Space Jam, not exactly a real movie, just a series of Looney Tunes strung together. Yeah, no, I mean, that's for sure. I mean, we've already kind of established on this podcast that- I mean, Space Jam was a, um, that was an infomercial for um, action figures, right? I mean- Sort of. Basically, yeah. I would say it was basically a shoppable live action uh, shoe catalog. Which it was like no. a it was like a Warner Brothers Nike McDonald's conspiracy theory to promote like alien to keep, toys. To keep Seinfeld going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really was. Um, but also shouts to like whoever the production designer was on the Warner Brothers lot who had to build Michael Jordan's basketball court for him mm-hmm. and just like gymnasium. That's like, really that's, good. That's got to be a cool job if it's like, hey, we're going to pull you off of uh, Mad About You for a couple weeks. So could you just build the Michael Jordan full-blown court and workout facility for us? And also pick up two boxes of Mrs. Vicky's variety pack chips. <laughs> yeah. They like to have a lot of Miss Vicky's variety pack chips around. Uh, I would I would have liked to have seen a couple of those green screen guys interviewed. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? That was also the fact that like anytime Michael was doing anything in the movie Space Jam, you know, like they made sure he was exerting actually absolutely no energy like in real life. It was just like mostly him just like passing and dribbling like once or twice. I think they actually just photoshopped his head onto one of those wacky inflatable flailing arm guys that they have outside of used car dealerships because... He needed to preserve his energy for his other pursuits. So they just kind of threw a, a jersey on one of those um, their air dancer things. And they put together a movie. And I hear the girl rabbit is actually coming out with her own workout videos. I Ooh. mean, she should get something. If nothing else, like she should get like a settlement from how Bugs Bunny treated her in that right? movie. Okay, we can have Mrs. Monopoly. Then we can have whatever that girl's name was. Lola Bunny. Ty Bo edition or something like that. Yeah, she deserves like a a New York Knicks Isaiah Thomas settlement level of like uh, of money to kind of get her own thing going. I want to see her HBO Max cartoon for sure. Did you guys see the uh, Patia's Fantasy World? The meme (laughs) is a Lola Bunny meme where they made Lola look like a like a thugged out, like a stripper, like a hot strip. Like she's like tatted up with like huge tits. (laughs) Huge fake bunny tits, neck tat around the, it's like almost, I don't want to say chola bunny. That's okay. Actually, you know, um, I do, I, I, I am a bit of a Latina and well, a bit, a bit, a bit. Um, it's, I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a Latina. I'm a Latina. Um, and I will say that it is one of our, um, one of our proudest, my proudest, like cultural uh, genres, is the adding tattoos onto a sexy girl. The Marilyn Monroe with tattoos, Audrey yes. Hepburn with tattoos. That's that's a proud tradition from where I come from. 
Good to know. That's that. I think that that takes the heat off you, Jamel, a little bit. It does. They ever do? Up. They ever do uh, Joan Crawford with tats? You know what? They should. I really think there's something to be said for expanding. But it's uh, as far as what I've seen, it's Audrey Hepburn with tats. You know, Marilyn Monroe in a Dodgers hat, and then like Frida Kahlo. You know, but like looking like a looking like an Instagram thought. You know, shop to kind of. Frida with a fat ass. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is the genre, and you can buy them. Um, you know, it's not the kind of thing you're maybe gonna see at a gallery unless it's sort of totally hidden behind eighteen layers of postmodern irony. But you can buy them uh, at on Olvera Street, yeah, in in LA. Good to know. If you yeah, just want to get big, it's the secret it, spots. I know they they probably open back up this week too. They yeah they need to open back up because the demand for sexy women with shops tattoos is is surprisingly high in this market. Steph Stephanie, total uh total right hand turn here. Um, when can I get tattoos again? Any any idea? I'm gonna get so many tattoos when this is over. I'm just is curious. That your point? I'm, I, mean, I feel like I got three unlocked that I'm ready to just start firing off. I think you should just, I think um, we're really entering a new phase of DIY appreciation. And yeah, you should just do them yourself. I think um, do them really, just do them really, like really shitty, like in your apartment and put them on Instagram with like a, maybe like a quote from some sort of theorist about how um, identity is meaningless. Okay. And that... The conceptual heft behind your motivations for doing it will make up for the lack of craft, and that's okay. good. That's that's just advice for any artist, really. But yeah, that felt like that was much went much further than tattoos. This is about sure. the marriage of you know art and then the way we have to share it on social media. So I'd say give yourself really shitty tattoos, and then find some cool quotes to go with them. Don't tattoo the quotes. I'm here for it. Use the quotes as captions when you talk about and share your tattoos. Stephanie's been giving us big game. It's like you drop these like mega bombs. Then I remember you said you did a bunch of blow in a a bunch of different bathrooms. And I'm like, let's talk about the bathroom part. But then you'll come back. Then you'll drop another hammer on us. I mean, we can talk about whatever you like. I'm here for the game. Listen, speaking of the game. BJ Armstrong, game of his life. Game of his that. life, happy for him. You know, I forgot he was alive after he left the Bulls. I was like in kindergarten. I'm like, okay, BJ Armstrong's dead to me. He can have one night, and he did. He had one. And he knew it was one night. He was like, I got one. I'm happy about it. I took a shot at the champ. Love that team. Bobby Phils, Glenn Rice, Del Curry. R.I.P. Bobby Phils. R.I.P. Right? Bobby Phils. Uh, great basketball player. Died tragically in a car accident from that team. Um, any other big points, Jamel, that you feel like we're missing about what we just experienced on this these last dances? You uh, bring young up? David Wesley on that team as well. Shouts out. Uh, um, Michael Jordan holding that. I hate that. Like the fact that B.J. Armstrong beat him once and got very excited. Uh, was enough for Michael Jordan to like switch into serial killer mode, but nothing is better than watching him hold that bat for so long. 
He's just thinking about B.J. Armstrong with a 33-ounce wooden bat in his hand. It's yeah. so good. It was so good. And smoking a cigar. Always. Yeah. Always. The great Yambino. This guy. This guy was our Babe Ruth. Mm. He mm-hmm. was really, really Peanuts someone. Peanuts and caramel. Okay, yeah. Was Are you eating one right now? <laughs> that... I'm sorry. Was Babe Ruth a person? Oh, uh, yeah. He's like this dude. He's like, imagine if um Michael Jordan was just like a white guy who was never in shape and was also like the 20s or something. Oh, wow. Sounds like he would have been really successful. He was. Yeah, he did. He did. Super was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, guys, that's the last dance. We got two more left. I got to uh, be honest. I only watched half of episode eight but i feel like i contributed a lot to this conversation i mean stephanie oh, no, you, you kept, thanks for you ca- you, you kept through, it real man. the whole time and let it without that confession no one would have known any differently okay so we can maybe cut that out later then yeah yeah we'll we'll, we'll yeah, edit we'll it in do, post yeah. we do some serious you could just like blend it or auto tune it or i don't know what you guys do we'll auto tune it we'll auto we'll auto blend it Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people see your work or see more stuff that you're doing or other people that maybe are tangential to your work? Right. Uh-huh. So I work with this really am- like amazing fucking just incendiary firebrand um, artist, writer, comedian named Christina Catherine Martinez. Mm. She's literally the shit. She's like opened up my eyes and yes, queened my life or whatever wow. okay so i think so you should follow her i can't okay i'm gonna spell out her instagram handle please do okay it'll 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 we'll, we'll put your instagram and her instagram in the description side by the side yeah, yeah easily um it's x tina with an x underscore catherine and um yeah, Christina Catherine Martinez. Um, I haven't decided whether or not we're really working together. She's kind of kind of hip pocketed her for now, but I think she's a great gal with a lot of potential. Smart. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll look for her on the up and up. That's great, man. Soon. Now more than ever, you know, potential is is, is huge. Yeah, um, that's such a great way of putting it. I've never heard that. Now more than ever. <laughs> Jamel, anything you want to you want to hit on? Uh, Jason Williams was on that Nets team. Shouts out to Keith Van Horn. Shouts out to Rony Cycli. One more yeah. time for Xavier McDaniel, Don McClain, Trash, Kerry Kittles. You're all right. Lucius Harris. He he did a little bit. Jack Haley, you're a politician. You're not a basketball player. Kendall Gill, what's good? Kendall Chris, Gill. Chris Gatling, Old Dominion, stand up. Stephanie, you were, you were right. There was actually a murderer on that Nets team. So props to you. And it wasn't Chris Gatling. And it wasn't Chris Gatling. Uh, Brian Evans, Kevin Edwards, Sherman Douglas, Yinka Dare, Sam Cassell, Michael Woo! Cage, and David Benoit. Airbuds.com, Airbudspod.com for everything. The Patreon is popping. We will have some more for you this week. Happy basketball, everyone. Good night. Good night.